And today we have Everyone Hates Me, Pooping Naked in a Workman, and Cut My Dick Off. Big episode. Stuff on your mind, you're feeling unclear. Just hop on the mic and speak without fear. Let's air out. <laughs> I just thought it was like a smoky in here. What's going on, ladies and folks? As you can see in the video, there's a little cloud around me. A little Nick hit pre, pre-podcast, pre get the brain juices flowing. Happy August, everybody. The first Aaron Arrow that takes place in August, almost four weeks away from the, the one-year start of uh, Aaron Arrow. That's going to be a big one, big episode. we got some got some juicy plans for that one. But, uh, yeah, and if you realize it's August 1st, it also means that's Monday, which means that I put off this podcast once again. So just... Sticking to routines, but the thing about my procrastination is that I still always get it done, and that's I think that's the key. You can procrastinate as long as you get your your work done. I think that's the that's the real trick here. So, two o'clock, August first, holiday. It did work today, but uh, since it's a civic holiday, since it's a civic holiday, I like to just string those words together because it's a civic holiday. Uh, no no holiday pay. So I, I know that uh, every dollar I earned today was just hard earned by myself, you know? No bonus holiday pay, got to do some hard, hard labor raking bunkers, and I feel, you know, gratified for it without that government handout of holiday pay. Who wants a time and a half anyways? So just very rewarding morning today. Um, but just spent all morning doing this, this motion, as you can see. If you've never raked a bunker before, it's a lot like sweeping, so you kind of like, stick it into the sand you push it and then right before you're done you lift up and just toss the little speckles of sand up the side of the bunker kind of like spreading all the sand in the middle where it's thickest up the sides because it'll just like run back down so you just, we do that every single day raking bunkers every single bunker gets raked today was my turn which is actually the first time i've had to rake a bunker in the morning since uh like they taught all of us way back in may or something um but just an absolute machine i am i in the past two days, there's a club championship going on at the at the workplace, at the Westmount workplace. Um, and they were teeing off of 10 and 1 the last two days. Uh, like the 10th tee box and the first tee box, because they had like a lot more people, I guess. And then now they cut the group down, uh, they're just teeing off the first tee box. Uh, so the last two days, they had three people starting on bunkers. And today, they're like, hey, we'll just stick Aaron by himself. And uh, I took that personally as a challenge. I wanted to now outpace my teammates that have you know they were we were leaving by like nine o'clock because they're teeing off at 8 30 and they want us out of there because they want us to not exist and like pretend that there's no grounds crew that keeps this course looking beautiful they want to just like lock us away in a shed and ignore us completely so left by like nine o'clock the last two days starting at six um so today i'm like okay we're gonna we're gonna keep that the same and i tell you i hustled i hustled those bunkers i was flying through them i did the first I think I did the first seven holes, which the way the bunkers are set up at Westmount, it's kind of like, you know, when you're like, you're making a big sign or, you know, a normal size sign too, and you're using like big letters, but you don't plan out well enough to fit all the letters in the full space. Like the last letter, you're like, oh shit, I don't have room 
uh, width-wise to get all the letters in here. So you'll like jam the last E or the R or whatever like up top or like down below somewhere slanted and just like tightly squeeze it in there. Like it's just like a baby compressed in an otter box. It's kind of like that where Westman was like, hey, the first nine holes, we got like 37 bunkers fit in. And then they realized, oh my God, there's still nine more holes to go and we only have 20 bunkers left. So the first nine holes are just jam-packed, like five bunkers per hole. Then the last nine are like two two bunkers. Some holes have like four and some have one. One is zero. So yeah, cooked through the front nine, which is way harder, way more annoying, bigger bunkers and more of them. And then young Liam Calhoun finally joined me, who he himself, I mean, we've talked about Liam and the bunkers, and my God, there are flies all over. We'll talk about the flies in a second. Liam Calhoun, you you might think you know where this story is going. Liam in a bunker, bad news, he's not going to rake anything. But I tell you, that guy is just an absolute rakist. He just gets in a bunker and just gyrates like a Sibian machine, just tossing sand all over in the bunker. It's like a little Tasmanian devil ripping around there, and then before you know it, the bunker's all raked. And, uh, you know, I'm more of like a like a speed and power, like a like a hockey player. That's <laughs> I got hockey player, he got Sibian machine. That's my, my comment to him. But uh me and the Calhouns work great in bunkers actually. A few weeks ago I worked did bunkers with Allie in the morning and the same thing. We just flew through them, just the two of us, just destroying the course in like a good way, in like a speed and power kind of way, not in like uh this course now looks like garbage kind of way. So yeah, me and Liam got through a ton more bunkers when he finished up and then we still wrapped up by nine o'clock, so I had the speed of a three-man bunker crew all by myself, and uh, the body is feeling it. The body's aching. Uh, we have been on the workout train. We've set a nice like streak of three days uh, working out last week, me, myself, and Martin and Ethan. Me, myself, Martin and Ethan, yeah. Um, and yesterday, we did deadlifts and bench press, so like the back was already like it's been worked, and then just that motion of raking the bunkers, it's like a full body because you want to toss that sand so it's like sweep step sweep step and you just get that faster and faster uh so it's like a full body motion so like the body is just it's tight it's aching but in like a good way it's not like a soreness where it like prevents you from wanting to do anything it's more like a soreness that makes you aware that you're like your muscles have been worked and it feels like good and satisfying so it was tough leaving work today, but now that I woke up after a little nap, I'm I'm feeling fresh and firm. I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling good. And it's also nice that since we've set up, like, we've kind of, like, started a streak of working out, and now it's, like, it's a lot easier to do it, whereas before it's kind of, like, sporadic. We'd, like, work out once, and then it'd be, like, rainy on our next workout day, and then it'd be, like, five days between our workouts, and then no one would really want to do it. And then, so this is, like, the first time we've actually gotten, like, consistent with it, and I think it's going to be a lot easier now because it's kind of, like, fit into the routine. And as always, there's three of us doing it. So it's kind of like, a, you know, everyone's holding each other accountable. No one wants to be the odd man out that doesn't want to do it. So you just, you know, as soon as you start doing it, it feels way better. I've definitely like woken up from a nap, you know, after work. We got the four o'clock yoga still before our lifting sessions. And I'm just like, I'm lying in bed at 3.55. And I'm like, oh, just just go back to sleep and just sleep through it. Don't do it. But then, you know, a little birdie in my head just says, hey, just get up and do it. And feel great for doing it. Honestly, feel fantastic. Feel you know, in the prime of my life, and the more I work out, the the bigger I'm going to get, and just I'm not going to be able to fit in this frame anymore soon. I'm going to have to get a, a wide-angle lens just to fit these traps. It's going to be insane. Um, man, yeah, look at these fries. Uh, I I forgot that I had a bag of onions uh, left over from October uh, sitting on the, the... It was on the bottom shelf, so like I never looked down there and just completely forgot about them. So they're just fruit flies 
their fruit flies all over the kitchen and now they're all over my bedroom i gotta get some apple cider vinegar or something in here um but yeah that reminds me i also have to go clean up that uh the shelf down there because there's like black black old onion down there and uh and here i just got like a shawarma poutine container and uh a subway bag that i threw i should uh, get out of my room so if you see any flies or me swatting around in this video or you hear me hear me slapping something it's just me battling battling nature but uh, I said I was going to talk about the tournament today, and I, I kind of don't want to because I've got other things I want to talk about. I kind of teased it in the intro. Uh, everyone hates me pooping naked in a workman and uh, cutting my dick off. And the thing that those all have in common is they were dreams. Gotcha. Baited. Which, I mean, if if they weren't dreams, that'd be a hell of a podcast episode. Um, where's it going with that? But, uh, yeah, they were all dreams I had. I knew I had one, like... Uh, a week ago when I wrote it down, it's like, okay, that's one of Sana's questions was, have you had any wild dreams lately? Could you tell us one? And this has kind of been like a thing in the older podcast where I I talk about my uh, my vivid, lucid dreams, which I have them pretty frequently. Although when I was got back on smoking weed, I guess, I wasn't having the dreams and there's a big gap in the podcast. But now that we got this little nicotine ditty, uh, one of the crazy effects of it is that it gives you incredibly vivid and wild dreams. And I had three Three big boys just like getting wilder each time. Each iteration, the dream got better and better. So uh, let me grab my phone. And uh, we can just dive dive right in to Aaron's dream journal. Aaron's dream journal. I don't know if these... I know people like often hate hearing about people's dreams. But these aren't like... Uh, I'm not trying to deceive some kind of like message from these dreams and like some inspiration. These are just like wild things that happen. And like my brain produces these. I don't know why... My brain produces such weird things when I'm dreaming. But uh, the first dream was the, the dream I had that everyone hated me. And uh, I'd just, I'd gone home to Barry, and I'd unpacked my car. And this is in the dream, by the way. We are now in dream territory, so everything I say is a work of fiction that was produced by Aaron Arout's brain. So I'd just gone home, unpacked my car, and was talking to my parents. And uh, my parents were like, hey, we were thinking maybe it'd be better if you actually went and stayed up with Reed for this weekend, you know? We kind of, I don't know why they didn't want me to stay with them, but they're like, after I had unpacked all my stuff, they're like, hey, why don't you go stay with Reed for the weekend? You know, he's got that new condo, he can go sleep on his couch or something. And I got really mad at that. I was like, you guys are abandoning me. You don't love me. I can't believe this. I'm never going to come back and talk to you guys again. Just, I got heated at them. And I think this came from because I've been watching Malcolm in the Middle and like Francis and Lois are like always going at odds. So I think I had that in my head because I usually watch that right before going to bed. Um, so then I just like got in a heated argument with my parents over that. And I was getting really angry at them. And uh, Robbie's brother was there. Um, okay, yeah, this is, this is gonna be the toughest dream to recall because it did happen the longest ago. But after that whole argument with my parents, I don't know if I actually went to Reed's house, but like the main portion of the dream I remember took place, we were in like a classroom. And uh, just, it was just filled with like, uh, it's like a TV, it's like a the South Park episode where they have like, they go to the YouTube headquarters and they have like all like cartoons of like the chocolate rain guy, the, uh, the Star Wars kid. Like there's just like all these characters on these different videos. It was like that except every, it was just like different people from my life were all, like people from work, old friends, family members, we're all in this classroom together and it was nighttime outside. And uh, I wrote down this guy I work with named Robbie, who I golfed with yesterday. And uh, his brother was there, except I've never met his brother before. I just know that uh, they're twins. Uh, so it was, 
is like, I looked and it's like, oh, hey, Robbie, what's going on? It's like, no, I'm not Robbie, I'm Barrett. And he had a jean jacket on and a nose piercing with really long hair. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That's why you're not Robbie. Um, so yeah, my parents and my sister were both like very angry at me and everyone else in the dream was like hated me, just livid at me, except for Aliana Sofia Vergara Cahoon. She was on my side and telling me, kept trying to convince me because I wasn't like certain that I was in a dream in this dream. I remember like recognizing while I'm in it that there's kind of like a vignette around my vision in my dream, like a vignette, like a, so it's like kind of black on the sides and then like gradients into like softness. And then like my central vision was clear, but everything around it was like dark. And that was my key, like seeing that my vision was that way, that I'm in a dream. However, everyone else was trying to like in the dream was trying to convince me like, Aaron, this is not a dream. This is real. This is happening right now. And uh, let me just read. Let me just read what I wrote. Um, dream that everyone hated me and was trying to convince me it was not a dream. Robbie's brother, jean jacket, nose piercing, long hair. My parents and sister. Aliana was on my side. I was trying to wake up and nothing was working. That's true. Because I was like, like I said, I was just like adamant to all these like dream figures that like this is not real i can i was doing wild stuff i was like punching people in the face i was throwing stuff around just making a full ruckus and they're all like aaron you're like you're throwing your life away this is you're destroying this place all for nothing um so i decided to pull out my phone in the dream and like okay i'm just gonna look at my past text and then i'll know because i know what the last text i sent was and if that matches up to my phone then we're gucci and i pulled up my phone and i don't know what i think i looked at a text to will I don't remember what the text said because I think I heard a thing where like in dreams you can't actually see like letters and like words aren't real but like in the dream you still understand them you know so I looked at my text and like that looks like the last text I sent actually that not knowing it was not I don't know the last time I texted Will because it was just we talked on messenger and stuff um so I was reading my text on my phone and uh that kind of like okay I started like kind of believing that maybe this is a dream um uh, went home. My parents said stay at Reed. So we argued. I felt the haze and I knew it was a dream. And I was just fucking with everyone in the dream knowing there was no consequences. Uh, and there was like a bit in there. There's a while that uh, I did finally believe like, okay, this is a dream. It does feel very real. Everything that's happening makes sense. Um, so I was like ready to just like live in this world and like live with the consequences how I've just pissed off everybody. Uh, but then I ended up waking up and uh, it wasn't a dream. So I mean, that was the most boring one. It was much more vivid in my head, but it's kind of one of those dreams where it's hard to like explain when you wake up. Like what I wrote down there was very tough. Um, but the next dream, so that's everyone hated me. Kind of a boring one, not gonna lie, but we started worst to best. Um, so the second dream took place at work. And uh, I've talked about these workmen before. They're like, uh, um, how do you explain it? It's like a open top, there's no doors on it. Big flat bed with a hydraulic lift. You can you can look it up like a Toro workman. Um, you can find them. Uh, but in my dream, uh, there were like door like high doors on this thing. I was kind of like in a box, like I was in a box with the walls up to my shoulders, uh, driving this around. Again, not at Westmount, but I was driving around like in a big grassy field, and like out in front of me, like in my peripherals, there was like a bunch of my coworkers just like driving around in different vehicles and walking around and doing all sorts of things. I was driving by myself and I, I felt the urge that I had to go poopy. And I was like, well, since I'm covered up to my shoulders in this workman, I can just poop in the workman. However, I didn't want to like get poop on my clothes. So first I decided that while driving, I'm going to take all my clothes off, still doing work. 
So I get fully naked, stick my clothes in the back, and then ended up uh, pooping like in the bottom of the workman. But just an enormous amount of poop ended up coming out. Like the, I was like in poop up to my knees, not my knees, my nipples, just filled with like a hail, like golf baseball sized, you know, hail of like poop and turds and just like a, a messy pit was now below me filled with poop and that's when I was like oh man this might have been a bad idea so I'm, now I'm just driving around naked in a workman filled with my own sitting my own feces and I'm like man if someone catches me I'm gonna this is gonna be a tough one to explain I don't know how I'm gonna get away with this so I'm like driving and I think I'm I'm like okay if I can just get to the garbage dump I can empty out my my, my poop load I can put my clothes back on no one's the wiser so I'm just make my way you know kind of like waving everyone away so that no one comes drives over like to come talk to me because that's like a people love to come talk to me at work i'm a very entertaining man very popular very very popular um and uh i run out of gas <laughs> i run out of gas driving and i'm like oh no this is horrible because i'm gonna have to call someone to have them bring over a jerry can and you know fill me up and they're gonna they're gonna catch me at my lowest point um, but luckily, uh, I guess I decided I'm just going to coast it and see how far we can make it. And it was coasting for a long time. We were not going downhill either. We were going flat and it was just rolling at like 10 kilometers an hour, just going fine, going fine. And I'm like, okay, and now I know I'm going to stop at some point. So I got to start dealing with this poop. So I start just like taking armfuls and scoopfuls and like hucking them over the side of the workman, just dumping poop behind me as I'm rolling slowly, kind of like I'm bailing out a canoe, except instead of water, it's hunking masses of turds, just dumping it out. And finally, I bail all the poop out. And there's just a big, thick trail of like turd all behind me. And then I get my clothes back on and they're all covered in poop as well. And then I woke up. And that was my second dream. Not really sure what the message of that one is like the one where everyone hated me it's kind of like i feel like everyone has that thought every now and then that you know maybe people don't like you as much as as they do i've had that conversation with aliana before that like uh what if you're actually super disabled and that's why everyone's super nice to you like you don't realize how much autism you have and you're actually like you know it's pity like that that's why everyone likes you and they don't actually like you but this whole pooping in the workman thing i don't know where that came from I think, I think I did have to poop at the time. So it's kind of like that thing where like we have to pee uh, while you're asleep. And then like in your dream, you think about peeing and you have to pee. I had the, those dreams a lot where like I have to pee and then I just, I'm just constantly peeing. I'm never running out of pee because I have to pee in real life. And then I wake up and then I go pee and that's, it's all Gucci. But uh, yeah, not really sure what, what was going on in that one. But the final dream I literally just had, I just had this, it's, it's fresh in my mind. So this is probably gonna be the, the best one to describe. The dream where I, I cut my dick off. So how I cut my dick off was I, I closed it in like a bedroom door, like just like your standard default construction door that everyone everyone has in their houses. I think everyone has the same doors unless you're like super rich and got fancier doors. Um, so I had put, I don't know why, that's the question you might be asking, why did you do this? I don't remember that part of the dream. I just remember I had my dick in the door and I slammed the door and it just chopped my dick in half. And then, you know, you got part of the dick was on the ground, then just the root, which honestly, after cutting it off, still a good size root sticking on there. Like it literally an entire dick length of dick hanging off my body still. And then the other, like an equal size portion was now on the floor. So I was very generous to myself in this dream. But uh, I was then in my parents' bathroom, uh, staring in the mirror at the sink. 
and like uh, taking this little nub that I cut off and I'm like okay well if I just like stick it back on and pull the skin back down because it was like a it was like a pig in a blanket like the foreskin was still all wrapped around it and then like uh, I just thought if I could just pop it back on and then slide the foreskin down the bottom then the skin would hold it on and uh, it would just like naturally reattach it would just like over time you know you bandage it up and then it would just the tissues will just grow back together and there'll be no issues none's the, no one's the wiser I don't have to tell anyone i cut my dick off in the door uh but it wasn't working i stuck it on and i'm like okay i'm gonna stick it on and i'm gonna go pee and then I'll, if i can go pee and i lined it up properly you know it'll be fine and it just uh i pee i was peeing in the sink and it was just like spraying like a hose just like poked full of holes just spraying out of the, the seam where I thought I got it fixed and nothing was coming out the bottom. It kind of burned a little bit, but in this whole thing, it didn't really hurt. There's not a lot of panic or like fear in my in my mind in this dream. It was more like, uh, I got a problem to solve and I'm gonna fix it, you know? Can we fix it? Yes, we can. So P is just like spraying out of the seam, like, oh man, this is, this is not good. So I pull out my phone and I, uh, I was trying to Google uh, what to do if cut dick off. But uh, another very common thing I have in my dreams is that like I try and text something or search something and just the autocorrect does not let me search it. And it's super frustrating. And I was trying to like, I couldn't even get cut my out. Like I, I, would, I would take cut my and be like, I have. I'd be like, no, I'd be like, cut my. And it's like, you are cut my, we do. And it's like, I can't. And I remember I yelled in the bathroom like, ah, like I couldn't do it. And my, I guess my sister heard that and she's like, are you okay? And then she came over into the bathroom and uh, I had had my little pig in a blanket wiener was sitting on the counter and then I had no pants on. And my sister came in and looked at me and she goes, oh, that's not good. And I go, no, it's not a bit of a, a pickle. I'm in one, you know? And uh, she goes, did you think you were just gonna nick it? And I was like, yeah, I did. I thought I would just nick it and bounce off. She goes, hmm, no, that's too bad. Um, so, so then we go downstairs and I tell my parents and they're both like, very calm about the fact that I cut my dick off in the door. Like they were super relaxed about it. And uh, the first thing they do is they say, okay, we got a, we got a Ziploc bag. We got to stick it in some ice. And we're like, great. Uh, and then we're, so we're like looking in all the cupboards in the freezer and we could not find ice for the life of us. And then my dad's like, fine, I'll go into my stash. And he opens up the fridge and he's got like all these like thousands of cubes of ice. And he just takes an armful and dumps it into a Ziploc bag. And then I, stick my little tic-tac dick into the, the ziploc bag and it's like we're covered and then uh so next step we're like okay now we got to go to the hospital and we'll have to get it sewn back on because apparently it doesn't just regrow on its own i also forgot to mention that i guess before my sister came in um i did like chew on the skin a little bit because in my head i'm like well this is the only time i'm gonna get to like see what my dick tastes like so i was like che chewing on the little foreskin end like it's a like it's a piece of used gum and like giving a little taste and then put it back on the counter um, so yeah, we got my, my dick in the bag and, uh, we're going to try and go to the hospital and we just, we cannot leave the house for whatever reason. I don't, I don't remember specifically this part, but I remember we were having a lot of trouble. Like we couldn't get the doors to open. We couldn't get the windows to open. Like we could not get out of this house. And then my parents were like, oh, right. Max was putting on a magic show and like we, he's still, he's probably still doing it. He's probably doing this and not letting us leave the house. And I'm like, what poor timing that Max is doing a magic show the same day I cut my dick off. Like this is infuriating that I can't get out of the house. So eventually I like go to the living room where we have like a big bay window. This actually, the one of the few dreams where my house was actually like accurate to like what it actually is. 
So I go to the living room and I'm like, okay, finally, I've, I've had enough. I gotta get out of here. And I, I smash out the window and I jump out the window and I shout back to my family like, hey, the magic doesn't work out here. You gotta come outside. Like, we're free, we're free. So my whole family comes outside finally and we're, we're getting into the Subaru. Oh, farted. Wow, speaking of my dick, look at my dick's on the wall too. <laughs> if you're watching, if you're watching the video, you can finally see the painting that I uh, I filled in the hole with my 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 dick. It's uh it's on the wall now. If you're if you're watching on YouTube, um, yeah. So my whole family comes outside. They climb out the window, and uh, we're getting into the car. And my mom's like, actually, you know what? I'm feeling kind of icky. I don't really want to go to the hospital and see this. It's like it's kind of gross. She's already seen like the dick chopped off and everything. She wouldn't go watch the surgery. Like she's not gonna be in the room. So I don't know what grossed her out at this point, but she's like, I'm just going to stay here. You guys go. So my dad, my sister and I, plus Harley, we bring the dog with us. Don't know why. I'll get in the car and start driving down the road to the hospital. Maybe we're in the car for 15 seconds when my dad's phone rings and he answers it while driving. Very dangerous. Um, and he like flips a B. He turns around. And then we're like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, we've got to get to the hospital, dad. My, I'm At this point, I am getting pretty irate because I'm like, I think there's like a time limit, you know, of how long you have until you can reattach it. And I'm like, clock's ticking. I don't know how much time's passed, but we've been trapped in that house for a while. But like, we got to get this dick back on me. And he's like, oh no, that was just your mother. She called me and she said, uh, she wants to walk the dog while we're going to the hospital to kind of take her mind off things. And I'm like, why are you prioritizing walking the dog right now when my dick's not attached? And I got, that got me even more furious. So we try to drive back to the house. And then once again, we cannot find the house. We've barely driven down the road, but like we keep seeing houses that look like our house and we pull up to it and like, oh no, that's not a house. We're on the wrong street. We're on Hogland Road. Drive, and then we're like, oh, three houses down. That's our house. We drive to that house. Again, not our house. We just cannot find our house. The neighborhood keeps shifting around like we're in that Doctor Strange world where everything's shifting and moving around. And we just could not find our house. And then at one point we pull up to another fake house. I get out of the car and I'm like, I've had enough of this. I'm just, I'm done. Uh, I'm leaving. And then I wake myself up and then that occurred 45 minutes ago. And uh, here we are. That was the dream where I cut my dick off, which I guess is fitting. Cause I guess, yeah, now I always go to bed and wake up looking at my, my God, it's so hard to like aim your finger in a camera when it's like reversed. I got my dick on the wall. So it's like the first thing I see when I, when I wake up and when I go to bed, water slurp. Ugh. But yeah, those are my three dreams. And uh, then I was doing some research as to like where these dreams are coming from. And it turns out that like nicotine is like very commonly known to like cause lucid and vivid dreaming. And uh, like uh, I have been like ripping, hit some Nick and then put it away, go to bed. And then I just, I get into these like wild worlds. Uh, I guess it does something where like it increases your REM sleep, but decreases the amount of time you're in it. So I guess you are technically getting a worse sleep, but you have like more vivid and like, like dense, intense dreams. Um, and I've been doing a lot of research on nicotine actually uh, because of this. And I did mention, uh, when I say a lot of research, I say <laughs> I read, read one article, uh, two actually, I read a paper. I read the abstract of a paper, okay. I didn't read the entire paper. Because you know how, like, I hate, I had to read a lot of papers, like, through school, and I hate all scientists writing this, like, scientific gobbledygook. Like, what's the point of writing, spending your whole life writing this entire paper, where then only people in your field can understand it? Like, write something in lamest terms that, like, an idiot like me can understand. I don't want to have to, like, Google every fourth word when you're writing your paper. So, 
there's a little little tip for all you future scientists out there. But uh, I found this article from uh, Scientific America on uh, all on nicotine because uh, it is it is a nootropic. It is a cognitive enhancer. It actually does a lot of good things for you. And uh, uh, I did want to read. I'm gonna do a little reading for you guys just to you know give you some highlights of what this article. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be totally honest with you. This is a hundred percent just a confirmation bias. I went looking. What did I Google here to find this? Nicotine cognitive enhancer. So I did. I was I did just find the answer to the question I had. I didn't go like then also search for you know the opposite to kind of balance out both viewpoints. So like you know take this as you will. But uh, this is in Scientific America. I think that's like a, a reputable uh science like a website. You know they talk to a lot of doctors and professors. Um, uh, so let me find the portion I wanted to talk about. Ah, uh, da, da 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 killing time. Do 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 do. Musical interlude. Um, as New York Times Magazine famously put it in 1987, nicotine is as a, as addictive as heroin, cocaine, or amphetamines, and for most people, more addictive than alcohol. But that's just wrong. Tobacco may well be as addictive as heroin, crack, alcohol, and Cherry Garcia combined into one giant crazy Sunday. But as laboratory scientists know, getting mice or other animals hooked on nicotine all by its lonesome is dauntingly difficult. As a 2007 paper in the journal Neuropharmacology put it, tobacco use has one of the highest rates of addiction of any abuse drug. Paradoxically, in animal models, nicotine appears to be a weak reinforcer. That same study, like many others, found that other ingredients in tobacco smoke are necessary to amp up nicotine's addictiveness. Those other chemical ingredients, things like acetaldehyde, anabasin, noronicotine, anatibine, continine, and myosine, help to keep people hooked on tobacco on its own. Nicotine isn't enough. But what about nicotine as a cognitive enhancer for people without Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, or any other brain disease? This is a quote. To my knowledge, nicotine is the most reliable cognitive enhancer that we currently have, bizarrely, said Jennifer Rusted, professor of experimental psychology at Sussex University in Britain. When we spoke, the cognitive enhancing effects of nicotine in a normal population are more robust than you get with any other agent. With Provigil, for instance, the evidence for cognitive benefits is nowhere near as strong as it is for nicotine. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about like other countries that have been studying this thing too. And... Uh, so it says it improves visual attention and working memory, as well as fine motor skills and uh, something called perspective memory, uh, which is the ability to, to remember and implement a prior intention. Uh, so like when you go to the grocery store and your mom's like, hey, pick up a jar of pickles. That's like your perspective memory. You remember to do that better. So nicotine, yeah, has a ton of like cognitive enhancing effects, uh, which I didn't really know about. I think uh, like a lot of people just think of nicotine and they like think addictive because it's in like cigarettes. But it seems, based on this one article I've read, that it's uh, the tobacco that is addictive, and nicotine on its own is not highly addictive. Now, if you see me puffing on this thing for the past few days, you might think the opposite, but I feel like I'm just a special breed who just, uh, I don't know, I like hitting the nicotine to like my, my vision, like just like tunnels in and just my brain fires up and I feel great and I'm ready to go. Uh, but yeah, apparently it's not as bad for you as they say so there's a little tidbit for you guys on nicotine that's the nicotine portion <laughs> this is a pro nicotine message from air and air out for anyone is the owner of a nicotine company uh let me know let me know and i will gladly gladly support your cause you know who else is great marketing sour cream sour cream why in any world would anyone buy something 
labeled sour cream like sour patch kids sour candies i guess like a whiskey sour those all make sense as sour as like a flavor enhancer but on a dairy product it's like disgusting you wouldn't buy sour milk you wouldn't buy sour cheese you wouldn't buy sour yogurt you know but sour cream everyone's raving about it so like their marketing team incredibly well done I just, because I mean nachos last night, and I was just thinking about that, like sour cream, why would I intentionally buy something that is sour? Like it sounds like it's bad. Because I think sour is like, if you say, oh, this milk's gone sour, you say it's, the milk's bad. Yet for sour cream, it's like, this is, it's sour, it's perfect. It's exactly how I want it. That was something that got to me. Now, we are we are firing hot. I did have, uh, I did have some more stories I want to talk about. Uh, we talked about that story of my friend having a tough time drinking uh the other last week the other week which feels like ages ago honestly that i did that podcast interestingly that last podcast it's done well like it's done well it's got it got good numbers no one wants to talk to me about it though i feel like it was it was so personal people feel real weird like chatting me about it uh like ethan talked to me about it because like i've known him for so long it's it's nothing to him but like uh normally at work people like mention it or like talk about it like some some in some instance but uh, yeah, no, no one has said a word to me about the last podcast, which is funny. You know, people, don't be afraid. I'm an open book. I, uh, I won't really volunteer information, but if you ask me, I don't. I'll answer. I'll answer all your questions. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed that last podcast too. Though. I thought it was a good one. Uh, the one note I, Ethan said was like he can't tell when uh, it's past Aaron talking or future Aaron when I do those like little, little interjections, um, which I think I did it right a few episodes ago where I put like a song behind my interjections so like it separated them so i think in the future that's just something i have to keep doing because i have been uh also going through and re-uploading not real just uploading for the first plant time all the video podcasts because i was like five episodes behind and i know there's some people that only watch on youtube so i feel like i should i should like you know get them out there for them and also i do like mention stuff in the video podcast like hey if you see this you'll see this in the video and then i don't upload the video for like six weeks kind of probably frustrating you want to like hear this and then go watch it right away while it's fresh in your mind or else you're never going to remember to do it. So I'm trying to get better at doing those. I think I've got like, uh, I think I've just got last week's uh, to get up there. And then I guess obviously this one, hopefully I can get up this week. I've been doing like one a day and it seems to be pretty good. Um, yeah, where is it going with that? Uh, story, a story. You want to hear about the, my first night out, my first night out on the town as a 18 year old. You do? Okay, I'll tell you. So the year was 2013, I want to say. No, 2000, it was 2014. I was 18 years old. Well, then maybe it was 2015, because I turned 18 in two, November 2014, and this was in the summer. So it was 2015. The year was 2015. And uh, I was an 18-year-old, and we were having an Asikinac reunion in downtown Barrie. Asikinac was my elementary school. So we uh, gathered up. It was like it was like a class of there's two classes of 30 so it was you know it's pretty small small grade um and i think like maybe 15 or 20 of us had all like gotten together in a facebook thread and like decided we're gonna go down to donnelly's and downtown barry and just like have some drinks and stuff like that a lot of them were 19 already so it was no problem for them but me being a young boy it was actually gonna be tough for me to get into the bar so we get down there we get downtown we're chatting like okay how are we gonna get everyone into the bar i was one of the few um underagers and i think other people were just like i'm not gonna drink but i was like i'm 
this isn't at the point where I'm like, okay, yeah, drinking is cool. Drinking is hip, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be one of the cool kids. So uh, one of my buddies, Sean, he's like, hey, I just got my, my full G, and I still have my G2. So you can use my G2 as an ID, and because uh, his birthday's in February, and I'll use my, I'll just walk around the block, and I'll use my G to get in, and it'll be no problem. So I was like, I hesitantly say yes, because I'm like worried I'm gonna get caught and arrested and like sent to Guantanamo Bay for using a fake ID. So I'm like on the street corner, like studying everything about Sean's ID, his postal code, his birth date, his height, absolutely everything. And I remember this like drunk lady walked by and she's like, oh, you look, you look great. You'll get in just fine. You're doing perfect. And I was like a little reinforced. I was like, oh yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I memorized his ID and then we get in a big, there's a big line at the bar like to get in. So we get in line and we're waiting, waiting, waiting. And then I, f I finally, there's like two people ahead of me and Sean comes right, he finishes lap around the block, gets in line right behind me. <laughs> they couldn't have been in a worse spot. And we're using, I think his ID photo was the same on his G2 and his G. So it's essentially the same ID, just one has a different license type on it. And uh, now I'm really panicking. So I'm like, obviously the guy's gonna look at the ID, look at me, and then seeing the guy who's actually in the picture right behind me. We don't look that similar at all. Sean's like a blonde. We're, we're like the same height and that's about it. Um, so I give it to the bouncer and he's looking at it and he looks at me and he goes, you sure look different, eh? And I went, <laughs> yeah, puberty. And he looks back at the ID, looks back at me, hands it and says, have a good night. And I walk in, I'm like, no way. And I think for sure that this guy saw like all my 19 year old friends get in. And I feel like he was feeling bad. He's like, you know what, this kid's probably, he looks, he looks the same age as them. So he's probably like just shy of his birthday. We'll let him have a good night. And he let me in. And then Sean got in, no problem as well. So, you know, past the first barrier, getting into the, the bar. And then the rest of this night is just, it gets blurrier and blurrier. I think we probably started with beers, just having pictures. And then people started getting like weird drinks. I remember I saw one guy got this like, it was like a, a big mug and then a shot in the middle and then covered in whipped cream. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is that? That looks delicious. And he goes, it's a muff diver. And I like flagged the waitress down. I was like, one muff diver right here, please waitress. And she brought it over. And I guess you like, I don't know, you like somehow do the shot in the drink at the same time. And like, you got like, oh, you know, you, you dive into the whipped cream, grab the shot with your mouth do the shot and then drink the rest of the drink. That's right, muff diver. M muff is a term for vagina, isn't it? Isn't muff, is that like bush or vagina? Is that, am I wrong here? And then like you, you come out and you got like whipped cream all over your mouth. I think, I think that's where it comes from. Um, That was like the fanciest drink I'm ever having. And honestly, all the time at the bar, it was just like chatting, you know, making jokes, having a, like a typical pub night. And I was like, I was thinking I was a pretty lightweight at this time. Or was I? I don't know. I think the first time I drank beers, I had like 15 beers. And I was like, you know, getting to the double digits on your first night. Kind of legendary. Um, so we're at the bars and then, uh, you know, people start petering out over the time. You know, I, me and my friends like to full send it every time. Like there's no, there's no such thing as having like a casual beer. If you're having a beer, you're going all the way. Uh, so there's like maybe six of us, six or seven of us that are just like, pounding drinks and making a night of it where like all the responsible people are like having a few coming in chatting catching up and leaving um so when it's down to like this smaller number of six of us the boys decide that they want to go to the strip club and i did not like that uh, whatever whatsoever i was not interested in going to the strip club seeing women be exploited like that how dare they you know i was freaking out so we walked down the street to uh 
so I think it was called Silver Star or Silver City. I don't know if it's still there. It might have like lost itself during COVID. Um, and again, everyone walks in and I have Sean's fake ID still. And I go up to the bouncer and I immediately say, this is a fake ID. I'm 18 years old. And he goes, excuse me? And I go, I should not be allowed in here. I am 18 years old. And I hand him the, like, hand him the ID. And the guy looks at it and goes, okay, well, that's not good. You're not getting in and I'm going to hold on to this. And I'm like relieved honestly i'm like oh thank god i don't have to go into the strip club and then uh uh so it's probably like five minutes or so pass and uh our other buddy calls calls us and he's like hey what's going on and then like aaron uh explained that he's underage and gave away his id so he can't get into the bar or the strip club so then he has to come down talks to the bouncer turns out not a bouncer at all just it was just a dude outside having a smoke and uh, I was just too drunk to understand. And so he kind of like chats and was like, hey, you know, like, hey, what's going on? Can we get our ID back? And we're going to go inside. And he's like, yeah, you got to get a hold on that guy, though. He's a he's a loose cannon. You like he's you should get him home. And uh, we end up all going inside the strip club. Uh, it was a horrible place. Just super dark and stinky. A bunch of like middle aged dudes just sitting around having drinks and like gawking at women. Um, we sat like right up at the stage and uh, the same guy that uh, passed out on the veranda in the last story, uh, ended up passing out with his head on this stage, just sleeping as the strippers are all dancing around him. Um, and I think you had to, there's like a two drink minimum or something and drinks are like $12 each is absolute rip off. I remember still tipping them. I don't know. I don't know why I was still being generous with tips. Um, but that's just like a thing I do. And when I went to New Jersey and like for hockey games and stuff, I just give away my money to homeless people. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like a, a baller but then we get to like a hockey arena i'm like i'm out of cash i got i got no money left i gave it all to homeless people only the black homeless people though because i guess i'll have like some white savior complex or something and if there's like a white homeless guy i'm like you'll be fine you don't need it and then there's like a black guy beside him. i'm like it's all yours sir and then all the others like realize that i'm the guy giving away money and i'm just surrounded by homeless people um yeah so like i like giving away money to people it seems i'd be a great rich person i'd just be handing out cash left left right and center um, so yeah, we spend, I don't know, maybe like half an hour at the strip club and then we finally decided to leave and, uh, trying to get home another, it was just another mission. And, uh, we were walking around the lakeshore, which buries like beautiful lakeshore. Absolutely gorgeous. It's a great walk. It's a nice summer night, just walking around the water. And, uh, our buddy's just like taking everyone's phone and just calling every contact, trying to see if someone will pick them up. He made like 40 calls on that walk. No one ever picked up. And like over time, people would just like give up and grab cabs. So like the group just got smaller and smaller until it's down to just like two of us, uh, the guy who had been calling everyone on their phones. And I was just like, okay, fine. I'm gonna call a cab and we'll go crash my brother's place. And then we got a cab and crashed his brother's place. And that was uh, that was my first night out. The sick knack reunion. Went to a bar with a fake ID, went to a strip club with a fake ID. I remember at one point I had run away from the group. And I think, I think this was before we went to the strip club. Um, cause I, I really didn't want to go. And I like, I just ran down an alleyway away from the group and hid behind a dumpster. And I was like, okay, they're gonna, they're gonna give up on the strip club. They're gonna go looking for me and then I can go home. And I think I squatted behind the dumpster for like two minutes before I'm like, this feels really dangerous. I, no one knows where I am. I'm alone and very drunk hiding in an alleyway with no view from the street. I could easily get like killed, mugged, robbed, whatever. And then I like, I got really scared there and had to. I'd rather go to a strip club, I guess, than get mugged in an alleyway. So, yeah, that was my my first big night out. I think I'd maybe only drank like once or twice before that. I think we had a New Year's party before that where I got really drunk. Um, we started the night with like 
Ethan like laid out like f five or six different types of hard alcohols and I'm like I'm gonna try each each one and I took a shot of every single one never doing hard alcohol before and they're all disgusting they're all horrible you do a shot and you're like oh another one please mm, delicious like De Serono, rum vodka whatever just a, a whole smorgasbord of hard alcohols and uh that night I I remember like blacking out and then coming to in the middle of a Mario Party game. And the crazy thing was, I was doing well in Mario Party 2. It like, it was like turn six. And I just like, remember like waking up on the couch, but like being awake, but just like regaining consciousness and being like, how did I get 200 coins and four stars? I have no memory of any of this. And that was probably my first like really heavy night. And then the other, the first time drinking, yeah, I had like 15 Bud Lights in my buddy's basement and got stink faced by Haley Waller. She just repeatedly shoved her ass in my face. And uh, I didn't enjoy that either, honestly. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Don't know, don't like strip clubs, don't like asses in my face. It's not doing not doing well for my, uh, my masculinity, my machoism. I guess I'm just a feminist, you know? That's what it comes down to. But uh, yeah, those are the stories for this episode. My dick is on the wall, as I mentioned before. It kept, uh, it kept falling off. The wall, because I kept it like beside, I had it beside the door where you can't see where I'm looking, that wall essentially. And it fell off and it sat on the floor for a while. And then I just remembered that, uh, you know, the story I wrote and I talked about, that I didn't write, the story I read and talked about a while, The Alchemist. There's like a, like the, the king who like guides the, the shepherd through his journey. It's like, follow the omens, follow the omens in life and you will find your path. So I'm like, I just, after like two weeks of staring at my dick on the floor, I was like, maybe it's not meant to be on this wall. Maybe it's supposed to fill in that final gap on the art wall. So I hung it up there. Now just proudly, proudly displaying, displaying my member uh, to the world, which, I mean, you can't get a super good angle at it, but you can definitely identify that it is a penis. Definitely cock-like in, uh, in its shape. Very hairy though, that's it. As I mentioned, I guess no one's, Ethan's probably the only one that's seen this. Oh, uh, because no one else has come into my room. Um, so now it's, yeah, proudly on display. It is for sale if you would like to buy it. And uh, I guess I got to take a picture of this whole wall. Because I've had a couple people be like, hey, I'd, uh, I'd be interested in buying a painting. I had a thought today, though. What if I, like, talk to Westmount, set up a little booth in the parking lot at Westmount, let the rich folks bid on it. They don't know any better. They just got money to spend. And they'll be like, wow, this guy works at Westmount, like an, an employee. I guess, no, I'm a green screw. They'd be like, this is garbage. This is trash. They just like burn them all and like throw stones at me because I'm just like a, a laborer, just a blue collar guy. They hate that. They hate the workforce. But it would be cool if I could just like sell them for like 10 grand to some like wealthy grandma. I mean, it's got to like start hitting on older ladies and be like, I'm an artist. Do you like to buy some of my art and finance my trip uh, next year? Which... Actually, uh, through watching Malcolm Middle, I was like, I kind of want to go to Alaska. You know? I feel like that'd be... I was always using BC as like my final destination on the West Coast. But what if I just kept going? And like, I think Alaska is beautiful in the summer. I remember I watched a documentary. Um, was it Expedition Happiness? It was something like that on Netflix where it's like this German couple. And they like, they fly over to Canada. They buy a, a school bus and like rebuild it themselves into this like traveling home and then they just travel around with their dog like across canada into alaska then down south and go all the way into south america really cool documentary like super 
kind of definitely like inspired me to like want to do this this trip but like their time in alaska was just gorgeous like i don't want to be there in the winter time but i think that'd be a a very cool spot like how many people can say they've been to alaska i feel like like not not a huge amount of people you know and it's it's connected to us it's like kind of it's part of our continent might as well see it so that's kind of that's on the list now go to alaska so just drive west and then head north at some point into Alaska. I think that'd be cool. Go fight some grizzly bears or something. Maybe bring a gorilla with me and finally test that battle. Who's going to win? Full-size Kodiak or full-size Silverback? You know? It's the it's the Kodiak for sure, though, if you were wondering. First in- intuition, first first instinct is uh, to say Silverback. I know. I said Silverback, too, because I'm like, oh, they got those their big, strong muscles. They, got, they can just, like, pound and stuff. But, dude, a, a full-size Kodiak is, like, 1500 pounds and it's still backs like 400 like it's got so much weight on him razor blades on its hands razor blades in its mouth like the gorilla is just it's got no chance and we're talking like a like a wrestling ring you know there's no there's no rocks or sticks the gorilla can use it's just animal on animal the kodiak's gonna slay it like there's there's no chance maybe you could find some environments where like, the gorilla can like swing around trees and like use weapons and f- kind of fight it like from a distance but Anything that's close quarters combat, like, just once the bear gets its claws or teeth sunk into the gorilla, like, it's going to do so much damage. And then it's just, like, it's bleeding out. It's going to lose energy. It's done. It's done. So, unfortunately, there's, like, a lot of animal rights groups and stuff that we can't actually just, like, test this. Which, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't want to watch it because I like like both those animals. I don't want to see animals get hurt. But there's just, like, this, it's piqued my interest. And it's piqued my curiosity. So... That's that's something. That's something. I did have one more story written down just about how I'm very bad at saying no, if you guys want to hear it. Yeah? Okay. Um, so we were living at Churchill Street, and uh, we are all just, like, chilling in the living room, watching TV. It's wintertime, and uh, the doorbell goes, and I'm sitting closer to the door, so I'm like, okay, I'll get it. I get up and go to the door, open the door. This is kind of like, I believe she was, like, a kind of a cute girl, and she was working for Belle. And I guess she's like, uh, she's selling uh, five internet, if that's like their high speed thing. She was like going around the neighborhood trying to get people signed up for it. So I'm like standing at the door and she's like, uh, what internet, what, it, come on, Aaron, come on. What internet do you guys have? And I'm like, oh, we have tech savvy. She's like, oh, well, I've got a deal for you. And she talks about, starts talking about like the five internet that they're installing all around here and would be, I guess they're getting like the fiber optic line put in they're like trying to get like customers to like sign up to do it when the installation's done um so I like I just let her go on on her spiel because I don't have that like uh I'm not interested thank you and like close the door on her face I'm like I'm too polite for that so I just let her like talk and like, describe this whole thing to me she's asking me questions and then we're at one point she's like okay so do you have like an ID on you and I'm like oh of course I do and pull up my driver's license to give it to her and she starts like copying my information down onto a piece of paper and I'm like oh boy I have definitely signed up for something that I don't want and uh then she like hands the paper back to me has me like fill out more things and like signing things I remember at one point she's like I'm like shivering and frigid because I'm like wearing a t-shirt and it's like you know 20 below it's I just like are you cold I'm like no I'm, I'm absolutely fine just freezing in the doorway and uh yeah, ended up signing up for signing up us to get uh, Bell Internet after like a 15 minute conversation with this girl. Just like, I don't know. At no point did I ever just say, no, I'm not interested. Thank you. I think like somehow I had 
given her so much like attention that she thought I was interested in it. And then at that point, I was too far in that I felt weird saying no at that point because I felt like I was leading her on in her sales pitch. Yeah. So uh, we talked for like 15 minutes and then finally she leaves and gives me like a receipt and like, okay, they will call you and your installation date is set for Thursday. And then she leaves and I close the door and I walk back to the living room. And they're like, Aaron, what were you just like, who are you talking to? And I was like, uh, I just signed us up for uh, Bell Internet, but don't worry, I'll take care of it. So uh, they're like, okay, fine, whatever, that's on you. Because it's your name and your credit cards. You'd be paying for it anyways. No skin off their back. They just get better internet out of it. Uh, they being Will and Ethan. Um, so eventually, like, Bell calls to, like, confirm. They call, like, Wednesday, like, hey, just confirm your installation for Thursday. And I'm like, actually, no one's going to be home Thursday. Uh, we got to reschedule. And they're like, okay, when would you like to reschedule for? I'm like, I don't know. We're going away. So maybe we can, like, give you a call back and we can schedule it then. Like, okay, fine. Just, uh, yeah, give us a call at this number anytime. And then uh, we'll charge your credit card on the installation day. So I haven't paid any money yet. And uh, just never called him back. Problem solved. Just never heard from him. Don't know what happened. But, uh, yeah, my inability to say no almost made us pay, almost made me pay, like, 100 bucks a month for internet that I did not want because I'm too, uh, it was too awkward to say no to a cute girl. But there you go. There's that last story. Do they make, like, a... Like a vocal lubricant, you know, like some kind of drink you can have that just like, like just coats your throat. Maybe there's like a tea or something you could do that just like, because water just like, it just goes down and then already my throat's getting dry again just from talking so much. I get that. I got to look into that. I see what's going on. But other than that, wow. Another podcast in the books, 55 minutes and uh, episode 46, getting close to that. Was it 46? Is that really it? We're six weeks away from um, 52. I guess, yeah. I started this thing September 7th or so. Like, first, I guess, into second week of September. And we did miss a week. So, yeah, that makes sense, actually. But, yeah, getting close to that one year. Getting close to the one year of no drinking, too. Which is a big, big if true. And it is true. So, it is big. But other than that, uh, we got yoga here in 50 minutes. And I got to edit this podcast and get it out to you young folk and a couple couple older folk too so hope you guys all enjoy it uh other than that yeah that was uh just a rambling rambling podcast which they all are so hopefully it uh it suits your standards hopefully those dreams were uh, entertaining i think now looking back reflecting on this podcast uh i think like the first story where everyone hated me not a great one not a great one the poop one a little better but i think the cut my dick off dream that I just had. Thank God I just had that. That was that was huge. So that, that could have been a podcast saver. Um, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you're having a. Hope you had a great July. Hope you're gonna have a great August, and we're gonna, you know, getting through the rest of this 2022. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next Monday. Take it easy, folks. Aaron, out. You did a great job listening to this podcast, and I really think you're going to do a great job again next week. So be sure to tune in to Aaron Air Out every Monday on Spotify, Google, and Apple. Also, find me on YouTube at Aaron the Brock. Take it easy, folks.
Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed your stay. Now take what you learned and have a great day. Damn, it feels good to air out.